Greetings and welcome to the Pure Report. I'm your host, Rob Ludeman. It is time to bring the orange with our special guest today, Mark Dobbs from our healthcare team. His title is Global Alliances Enterprise Imaging. You are the, you are the PAX specialist or one of them for the company. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Rob. It's great to have you. I recall when we chatted a bit back at Accelerate, gosh, all the way back in 2019, and we talked about doing this, and now here we are. Uh, why don't you do a quick intro of yourself, how you got to Pure, uh, your experience in our much esteemed healthcare team, and kind of what's going on with you right now? Yeah, what, man, 2019, right? So much has changed since then. I know. So, I yeah, know, thank tons. you for... For, uh, for those of you that have, haven't maybe kind of run into us out there, so, you know, the corporate healthcare team up here, we kind of cover everything, you know, from, uh, you know, different use cases, which is what I'll get into in a second, but also just kind of helping you guys try to uncover in the field, you know, more opportunities where we can expand in more uh, healthcare, you know, use cases or backup, you know, solutions, et cetera. And so my background and expertise is specifically from the enterprise imaging world. Uh, which is commonly referred to here up here uh, as PAX. So you can call me the PAX guy if you want. Um, and so I, uh, I come from that side of the fence, actually. And, and, and that's kind of where, um, you know, I've been here up here since about 2018, but that's where I've been focused exclusively, Rob, is just on that vertical. How can we add impact into that space? Mark, it's really interesting. And, and I experienced this when I talk to people from our healthcare team. It's, it's fascinating that most of you, and I'd say maybe all of you, if I want to be really extreme on it, you all come from the spaces that you're in. You know, when I have Bocas and Sandberg on and they're from the Meditech world and you're from the, you know, from the PAC space, it's not like we just kind of go out and just grab random people and go, okay, you're, you're a specialist in healthcare now. You've all lived in that space. I mean, what was your journey? How did you get into that? I mean, you don't necessarily go to college and go, well, I'm going to be the enterprise imaging, you know, guru at the company. How did you navigate into that? Yeah, yeah, funny, funny, quick story. Uh, I kind of fumbled my way into it from a, I'm a big car nut. So if anybody else out there is big car guys, there was a car that came out um, from one of Detroit's finest called uh, Poor GT, not the Mustang. But uh, anyways, the, that car came out and I was kind of fixated on it for what it was representing. And coincidentally, there was an individual that moved to North Carolina where I live um, who had the fastest one at the time, like a thousand horsepower car, right? Very, very big numbers. And uh, through just meeting him in the car scene, um, long and the short is we became friends and uh, he notified me, Hey, listen, what are you doing after you graduate college? I, said, I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, what do you got? Do you have anything? And he goes, do you have any background in finance? I'm like, damn it. No, I don't. You know, I don't. Darn. I could have used that. Uh, he goes, well, I'll find something for you if you want. Lo and behold, there's my start. So I literally got dumped in head first into, um, you know, here I'm, I'm 20, 22 years old, 21 years old. And, and um, speaking to radiologists, you know, uh, no, no facial here, you know, nothing, nothing of experience behind my back, Rob. And all of a sudden I'm speaking to radiologists that are, you know, trained for 30, 40 years through medical school and their own personal expertise. And, um, you know, are making obviously significant amounts of money and I'm here to tell them why they should buy the PAC software that I'm going to be pitching to them. So, uh, that was a great experience. Talk about trial by fire. Oh, yeah. Um, I made it out, I popped out and actually through that, um, I grew through those positions over about a decade and some change into, um, you know, various roles. I was the national specialist that would demonstrate the software, which is quite funny if you ever saw those demos and what we focus on there. And now then transitioned into a sales rep and then managed the Southwest, made my way over to Fujifilm, bigger pastures, not greener, but bigger pastures. And uh, in 2018, I left Fuji and joined Pure. So kind of those are my hops. 
it's a good journey. And then, yeah, and you hit trial by fire that popped right into my head. It's like, it's interesting with some of these early jobs we get where they just sort of throw you in and just say, all right, you know, go figure it out, you know, make your own path and, and, and go, you know, figure it out. And you're talking to all these experts who've been doing it for years and years, which, which brings you here. It's interesting. You mentioned Fujifilm. And I think, you know, often we think of enterprise imaging and, and just images, photography, whatever, but it is interesting on the storage side that you actually have to have a place to store all these things, right? It's not so much in getting the images. I mean, it certainly is. And there's benefits with the speed to which you can pull those in, but you gotta be able to store and retrieve and access. So has that changed much over time? I and mean, we've gone from maybe uh, to where we're more digital now, whereas before it was more analog, right? We're dealing with everything online versus, you know, I remember back when I was getting x-rays when I was a kid and it was like, you had to sit and wait for the thing to be developed, right? I mean, there was a, there was a timeline right. and now you got information almost at your fingertips and ideally in real time. Has that been an evolution? Yeah, it's funny you kind of see that, you know, it, it's comical too, because we all see the movies and shows still flash the, uh, uh, the old laser film, we call it, right? The process film up on, on the white box. And yeah. uh, I don't think we really actually see that nowadays. So, you know, yeah, tax went, you know, that world, that market went through a bunch of life cycles, you know, and it's, it's been digital since, say, the late 90s, arguably. Um, digital meaning, you know, most of the images were coming off the machines. We call modalities already in the digital format. Um, and, you know, for a long time, they were still printing them, right? But we talked about, you know, on, on laser film. But, um, you know, there is a big boom, you know, Rob. You kind of saw this, like, explosion in in data. And so what was happening? Well, you had IT vendors linking up with the software vendors to kind of say, like, I don't know what I'm doing. We're, we're in, you know, you know, new frontier together. Like, can you help us make sure that your technology maybe boosts the performance of my system? I don't know what I'm going to, you know, run into as obstacles because I'm a software vendor here to make sure I handle these images digitally. Yeah. And I don't know what to do. Do I need fast storage, low storage? What kind of storage is available? And that, so you went through those evolutions and where, where things kind of hit a bit of a plateau, Rob, was, um, you know, you got to a point where storage was pretty much, you know, a good enough solution where you could just run it all on spinning disk. And what the software vendors wanted to do, as we call ISVs here up here, right, the Fujis, GEs, Philips, yeah. is they kind of said, oh, you know, we're here to make money on, on, on software, but more importantly, we want to take care of those features and functions, right? So when customers go with our solution, we need to innovate there. And they kind of rested their hat on what was good enough on the, on the back end, right? So for infrastructure in plural. Um, and not a lot of time was spent kind of staying close with, you know, the times of what innovations are out there, right? Are there better things for us that make our product better? Uh, so, you know, they, they made sure they, they load balance and did as much as they could, Rob, to kind of protect themselves, right? To give the experience regardless of what underlying infrastructure you have. So that's a good thing because it gives customers more ability to have kind of control, right? Like now the customer's environment probably can share the PAX workload or if they go through a replacement, uh, most PACs and VNA vendors just say, like, here are my requirements. Um, but I got to tell you, it, it's changing now because, uh, as we all know, data doesn't stop moving fast. Yeah. Technology is innovating rapidly. Um, and, yeah, Rob, there are, there are fine points in time where that plateau, you know, hit a, hit a quick peak or spike. Uh, for example, certain modality types. We, we saw something big hit the market, Rob, about, I don't know, eight, ten years ago called breast homosynthesis. It was 3D imaging. And it made like the average mammogram that a woman gets every year go from still a large 20, 50 megabyte size to gigabytes. Like, so like 10x the number roughly. Um, and they get one of those every year. So it's a lot of data to pull back and forth. And all of a sudden now you have storage guys and directors of IT calling the PAX people and saying, what's going on here? You know, uh, this, now we're full, right? And, and our solutions can't keep up anymore. So it's quite interesting 
seeing these trends and those are happening more and more often, more images, more velocity, more data, it's not slowing down. Yeah, but it's interesting you mentioned the density kind of problem. You know, I think about, you know, if I had to use a consumer analogy, you know, if we were using our our, our iPhones or whatever phones we have, you know, 10 or 12 years ago, the, the, the file size on the photos was not not that great, right? I mean, there was there was certainly a lag behind the quality of what you could do there versus a regular camera or a digital a digital camera. And then they improved and they improved. And now you're shooting photos left and right off your phone and everything. I mean, selfie city, right? And the file size on those is getting large, right? So that's kind of the consumer analogy that I look at is all of a sudden you've got much higher quality images coming in with, you know, with the use case that you mentioned with, with mammography. But I don't know, and maybe this is where you get some inside baseball. And, and when we talked in our pre-brief, there are far more departments that rely on imaging than we probably think. Right. I mean, we probably think it's just a radiology thing or, you know, I, I cracked my arm. I'm going to go get an X-ray. It's everywhere. Can you can you provide a little backdrop on just how pervasive it is in in, in the medical arena and, and in hospitals? Like how much is it getting used? It, it seems like, you know, you would imply it's everywhere. Yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, it, it's probably not something people correlate or connect the dots with. Like you said, inside baseball is imaging is, is probably the most you know widely used or reliant. Um, solution or option that healthcare has to get a deeper dive on a patient beyond your, you know, traditional lab work and things like that, right? Um, you know, if you look at kind of the, the rank and order of like where a PACS would fall in compared to say like an EHR, EHR is number one, uh, arguably, right? All the patient data is managed there. Yeah. Right there behind it, if not, you know, 1.5 is, is imaging, right? Is, is this? And to your point, it's not just radiology anymore, guys, or cardiology. Those were the first, right? They went digital. So that's what we were talking about. And still, they are big, big kingmakers in terms of, you know, who's consuming data. But Rob, it's, it, it's all the other ologies now. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the phrase that we all use. It's, it's dermatology, ophthalmology. It's surgery videos. It's wound care. And, you know, in, in those areas, you now have to collect on it. And if hospitals can collect on it, that means they can report on it. They can report on it, Rob. They can also bill for it in a lot of cases. And so, you know, typically healthcare doesn't do something unless they have the ability to kind of get reimbursed for it. Um, of course, it has to aid patient care. But, yeah, it's, it's a big boom. So there's a lot more data that's being served. The funny thing is, as you still see healthcare, it's very fragmented, Rob. Like, people aren't landing it on unified solutions. They, mm -hmm. you'll, you'll walk over and, you know, there may be a nurse pushing a, a cart down the road, a cow as we called it, right, computer on wheels. And they've got a USB drive and that's where they're storing like the sleep lab videos. Yeah. And that's their backup. What is their backup policy? Oh, well, you know, Mary Smith takes it home with her once a day and throws it in her locker at home. So it's kind of scary in some regard out there, but at the same time, you know, we can help with that. Right. And the healthcare is going to a more unified solution, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely well beyond your usual uh, radiology cardiology. So it wouldn't be a 2020 or 2021 podcast if I didn't bring up the impact of COVID, right? So, so we have to we have to go there and and see any changes or, or monumental things that have that have gone on with with the impact of COVID in in your dealings, or is it more business as usual, or things have been accelerated, or is there become an awareness that maybe having more modern IT can improve patient outcomes and it's just been accelerated by by what's happened with COVID, which is kind of a common theme we're seeing in, in a lot of these these discussions we're having. Yeah, absolutely. Man, it'll be nice to get away from this pandemic situation, I right? Know, I and know. I would love to I'd love I'd love to play the victim card of like healthcare got hit the hardest. I think everybody got hit. Every industry has its own um, you know impact. But yeah, you know, it, it definitely put a put a a light, a spotlight on a lot of problem areas, right? So 
you know, we, we did a, we did a review, uh, podcast not too long ago with um, an individual, former CIO of a major hospital chain. And he, and we talked about like, what impact does, does healthcare IT, or I call it now clinical IT have on, like you said, patient care. And, um, you know, I mean, I think that's kind of some of the perspective that our corporate healthcare team, like you, you mentioned, Chris and Priscilla who were amazing earlier. And, 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 and the rest of our team, we, we try to think a little bit outside of the box of just from a storage perspective up, we, we look at it maybe sideways or, or from the top down. And, you know, what it's done is it's put a spotlight in it, uh, light on inefficiencies, right? When people were kind of struggling for cash, we talked about the use of imaging, right? It's beyond, for example, just radiology, cardiology, it's enterprise. Well, elective procedures, right, got hit during the pandemic and plummeted. So mm-hmm. all, all of that went on pause. And there were hospitals that were in the middle of a storage purchase, and they may be on dying equipment, Rob. So that, there, there's one thing. It highlights that we don't have any cash. We're in a critical pandemic situation. What are we going to do for storage, right? Yes, the volume's down, but we know it's going to come back somewhat or eventually to normal. And what are we going to do at that point, right? We're not just going to find money underneath a, a rock somewhere. Um, but then more importantly, when we started seeing some of the demand come back, well, interesting things started happening, right? The 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 issues that were kind of brushed under the rug, Rob, like, hey, my storage array, I normally don't let it get full beyond 85%, right? Because if I do that, my, my, my storage vendor told me it'll start pulling punches, right? It'll start pulling performance. It can't quite keep up. That's the last thing you want to hear when your hospital CIO and CTO see levels like, we're ramping up volume, make sure everything's running like a top and we don't have enough money to kind of spend on new equipment. Oh, whoops. Well, your storage system can't keep up now and it's choking to make the radiologist and the cardiologist not as efficient. So if anything, it's kind of helped put a spotlight and qualify like what we've kind of already kind of wanted the market to understand, right? There are better solutions out there. And, you know, when the gas pedal comes down full hammer, you, you have a solution in place, you know, in plural, right? Not just pure, but other, other uh, equipment uh, that can handle that, right? Those surges, they come, and when they come, they come with a vengeance. And, um, you know, we can handle that, right? We're a shock absorber, if you will, yeah. in that sense. Yeah. So you mentioned, you mentioned earlier some of the storage that, that's been deployed over time. And I think you used the term, you know, they, there's an a idea that it's good enough, right? So what is, what is the average hospital or medical facility using right now to manage all these images beyond the beyond the USB on the on the cow that you that you meant. I, that's my new one. I, I've learned I always learn something when I do these podcasts. I had no idea about the COW. That's very cool. I will I will take that yeah. away. But what does the average storage solution then look like? Because you have an opportunity to go in and go, you know, there, there's something better out there. You just don't know, right? You've you've been you've been kind of limping along with what you think has been best of breed, but really you can move to all flash and we can get into the whole all flash thing where maybe there's a perception that it's, you know, from 10 years ago that it was, it's too expensive. And therefore, you know, is it, is it hybrid? Is there still a lot of spinning disc? Like what is out there right now that we're going and trying to have conversations, not just about the technology and why all flash is better, but the outcomes, right? Cause that's what we really are trying to get to here. But what are they using? Sure. Yeah. You know, you think about the, the legacy nature and the way the market came up, we talked about, right? Like go went digital and they kind of had to feel how, what kind of solutions can deal with a bunch of small files and tons of iterations and, you know, a whole variety of different types of file sizes. Right. And that, that kind of put the market into the bucket of NAS, general purpose NAS solutions. Right. And so you'll see that there are still a lot of spinning disc out there. Um, thankfully tape is pretty much sunsetted where it can't quite keep up with the demand. But, you know, there is there are, unfortunately, a lot of our images, our patient data running on spinning rust out there. And, um, 
that was good enough. And that's still in some regards is good enough for some people. And, and because we know that our competition doesn't have innovation, you know, solutions that can be realistic to, to, to bring to the customer's lab or their environment today without some hefty cost or some promise that there's a next new gen coming out afterwards. Uh, we, we realize that there's two factors that are kind of contributing to that being around still Rob, which is spinning disc. And it's the ISVs themselves, the pack spenders, they're there to sell software and they want to make sure that you have the best experience. So what do they do? They, they tell you that you can run on, it's okay to run on spinning disc, right? They, they may be shooting themselves in the foot in the very near future as we're going to get to, um, but that's okay, right? For them, they're worried about, I want to put as many dollars into the bucket of software. I don't really care. And I don't want to tell somebody they need necessarily the most expensive top of the line solution to run my solution, right? It's because those are conflicting things. Um, but we are seeing hybrid out here, Rob. You know, it's pretty common now to see, you know, your your hybrid solutions. But that's kind of a guessing game. How, how do you know how much data should be hot? How much isn't? We talked about all the different ologies. So what are you going to interview each of the lab departments and each of those ologies and say, like, how much do you need on spinning flash versus spinning disk? And um, the vendors don't really care. The, the PAX vendors don't have ways to help orchestrate necessarily what should be on spinning disk and what shouldn't they they'll tell you what should be short-term storage, what should be long. But anyways, it, it's a, it's a quite an interesting thing to, to put that calculus to work, so to speak, in configuring even a hybrid array nowadays, but that's what we see out there, right? We see that that's good enough to get by and the doctors don't necessarily know if there are better solutions out there, Rob, that's the challenge, right? The doctors don't know because it's status quo. And that's why you're here, amongst others in the healthcare team, to make sure that they uh, they do know. Hey, one of the reasons I, I did want to have you on and, and talking a little bit about how there's something better they don't know about is we made a recent announcement relative to FlashBlade uh, to bring in native SMB. And I know that's not the only part of Pure, and I want to go through like some of the benefits and things that, that you go through in, in your talk track. But what does that do for you? What does that native, native SMB capability do for you relative to this solution? Oh, yeah, man. It, it's, it's huge for us in this space because, unfortunately, SMB is a legacy thing. But you know what? It actually works pretty darn well for this you know, medical imaging market, for the PACs and VNA solutions. So what does it do for us? Well, we just talked about it. There's just a ton of files out there, small files from kilobytes to megabytes to gigabytes. There's digital pathology that's in multi-gig. Um, there's just so much data out there that's in all varying sizes in enterprise imaging that we really do need actually to drive performance, uh, you know, and, and we need to rest our, our kind of laurels a little bit also in that SMB market space. So what does, you know, Flashblade fast SMB do? it's actually delivering meaningful impact where we can process faster. I mean, you know, the, the time for me to access the data as a radiologist, it's all, it's all about perception. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is how I would demo packs too, Rob, right? The minute that, you know, I, I send you a text message, if you didn't see your phone, you, you have no idea that the message exists, right? Same thing with ingesting pack studies or medical imaging studies from a modality. If they're being processed and, you know, churned behind the scenes because the storage solution is kind of choking a little bit, the radiologists don't know about it yet. Now, when it hits their work list, that's like an email hitting your inbox. That's when they finally see it. So who knows how long the time was between sending from the machine to actually hitting their work list. Well, FlashBlade changes that because it actually brings that data, processes it, obviously, right, with our technology a lot faster. Um, sometimes up to four times faster what we've seen already to date in some of our testing with, you know, actual live, you know, pay, you know uh, test environments, but in yeah. live, live patient data sources, and it's like, wow, 
that just that change. We, we, in fact, it was a surprise to us, Rob. We come from Pax Venterstein's. We didn't know that there was ever choke-ups or slowdowns to be, or rather the other side. I, we didn't know we could speed up that process. Yeah. And, and lo and behold, we're seeing that. But the kicker is this. It's on the recall. Because the minute you give a radiologist a new PAC system, what do they do? It's this new shiny tool that they want to see all the data they can. Because this new shiny tool automatically pulls up heaps and heaps of prior data. So if Rob had been there for an x-ray, an MRI, a CAT scan, I want it all because my new viewer says it's faster and I can get it all and it hangs it the way I want it, displays it the way I want it. Um, man, think about all that. Think about that impact on storage. And as we innovate our software and it's able to rip out data faster, I, how do we know when it's going to slow down, when storage is going to slow us down as, as a packed software company? So Flashblade, again, with some of the announcements we put out, um, in testing, we're 15 to 30% faster of recalling that study. That's the value for sure to the radiologist because, yes, I processed it faster. I saw it on the work list, Rob. Now when I interact with it, it's pulling up 15, 30% faster. I mean, that, that's better patient care, right? Why? Because I have more time to look at it if I want. Or I can see more patients through the day, which speeds up our key kicker here is called TAT, like tattoo. That's turnaround time. So if I can, if I can be faster or shorter in my turnaround time, that, that means that's a lot of impact financially to the hospital as well as patient care. So that's why we're pretty excited about it. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I, you know, the hospitals are sort of in competition with one another to get patients going there. And if you have a carrot that says, mm -hmm. look, we can diagnose faster, you know, there's a benefit to getting more people in and, and an end benefit in, in getting more revenue. And I, I, I think we talked and there's a pretty high chunk of, of the revenue that comes just from imaging, right? So there is a business outcome that right. says, look, you know, you can deploy this technology, you can pull up different things all at the same time, get them really quickly, but also you're going to benefit financially because you're providing better, um, better patient care. Right? That's, that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, I had Bocas and, and Sandberg on who we talked about a couple of times already earlier, and we were talking about um, downtime There's a solution in their space around downtime. I think one of the other things is, is access, right? And, and, you know, beyond just the speed with which you can get it is having things available at all times. Is that one of the biggest parts of your talk track as well? I mean, you talk about things around evergreen and the ability to upgrade on the fly, that that message probably resonates compared to some of the the legacy tech that's in use as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's all about access for sure. We talked about the changes that are, have have hit this market. You know, we went digital, the big boom. Then we started seeing new modalities come to the scene, and they all of a sudden explode in data. And you know, we, we can get to it later here, Rob. But you know, as we see the uh, introduction of you know these other use cases, this new user we'll call AI, right? This mm -hmm. new user. Um, it, you know, what, what worked yesterday doesn't work tomorrow necessarily anymore, right? Because what we have in the, in, in the truck uh, a couple of years ago and we installed it, you know, in, in our data center as a hospital, it doesn't necessarily work uh, to, to meet the demand for tomorrow. So, yeah, I mean, you know, uptime is huge. We know that the, the value of imaging is, is widely spread. It's not just I'm a radiologist in my day and only patients that, you know, need radiology are ever going to be, you know, impacted by my read, right? We know it's beyond that. Like you, you, you mentioned it earlier. You, you sometimes, I don't know if anybody on the, on the podcast is listening, if you've driven down, down the road, you sometimes see hospitals advertise their ER waiting time. Yeah, yeah, on those billboards. Yeah, on the billboards. Time. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so if you think about that, just real quick, um, odds are a lot of times you're going to the ED for something serious. And right. yes, you know, there are exceptions, of course. But if they admit you, they very quickly triage you and, and very likely lead to imaging. Right. So there and there, there again, like that's not yet to the accessing perspective that we were talking about earlier. But 
we need to process it a lot faster. Right. And then what I'm going to be doing is I'm looking for all your other imaging data if, if it's been there. Like, oh, Rob has been here before, or you were across the street at a competing hospital. I need to get access to that data. And you're absolutely right. Like, we need to be able to process that and not have any snags in that solution. So, and 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 Rob, you know, the other thing too is um, from an access perspective, you know, it's not just all about speed, but it's it's consistency for us is huge. Consistency is almost king more than speed because if I'm going through an MRI that's got 1,000, 2,000, 20,000 slices, they have functional MRIs now that have tons of images, Rob. And I'm looking for a black spot, a speck that's in, say, the lung field of a patient. I'm going through, you know, each little slice like you see on TV. And if I miss that speck because maybe something hiccuped, be it the storage, be it the network, there's a lot of other variables. But if I miss that, that could be patients, yeah. like their lives on the line missing that, a misdiagnosis. So um, the consistency of, of your system and your workstation, your PAC system working well is huge. So all that kind of rolls under the name of accessing data, right? But I need to access it quickly and efficiently and more importantly, consistently. Like I need low latency no matter what is thrown at me, uh, be it from the ED or be it from a scheduled patient. Yeah, I like how you paint that comprehensive picture that it's not just around access, but there's other facets to it. I'm intrigued by, and I'm going to use air quotes here that nobody's going to see on the podcast, but I'm intrigued by your new your new user and and mainly the rise of of AI and ML and and not unsurprisingly, right? We're seeing this in 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 every industry, right? Just the notion that you have all this data and things that you can do with it. What is happening then relative to AI-driven investments? And I assume a lot of this is coming from the, the PAX vendors from the software side, right? Is that they're driving in artificial intelligence and machine learning to make their products more attractive. How are hospitals planning to consume this? And what, what is going to happen to the IT that needs to support it relative to clinicians? Yeah, it's a, it's a huge market. You know, there's estimates that it's going to be $5 billion to $8 billion in revenue here in the next couple of years by 2023. So um, it, it's very real in this space. So I'll start with that. So medical mm -hmm. imaging AI is very real. And, and I'll get to that, what I mean by real in a moment. But um, it is still new um, in some cases. And, you know, it's mainly been focused in where? The large research and university or academic hospitals, right? And uh, they, they weren't necessarily doing it for the money or, or yet for the patient uh, benefit. They were kind of obviously testing proof of concept. Can we design an algorithm, a machine learning algorithm, which can help us triage or diagnose? And um, while that was going on, you had the independent companies, right? The private companies making their own AI algorithms and software that they wanted to eventually sell and bring to market. And you also had some of the pack spenders doing it themselves because you know, at the end of the day, it's all about workflow as well. Yeah. So speed, consistency, access to data, but it's workflow too. If, you know, if, if I'm going to interrupt something, it's again, interrupting my workflow. Um, I need to make sure that the AI algorithm complements me. So what, what you're kind of seeing is this broad adoption for this orchestration layer. So the PACs and DNA vendors are like, hey, we may have some algorithms to help you like with a brain bleed or CT or some sort of segmentation around, you know, along and anatomy labeling, but they more want to integrate or orchestrate all the other AI algorithms because they know this big boom is kind of just in the balance, just waiting to drop on us, um, which is then that real AI piece I was mentioning earlier. And so the big, this big bang of, of AI being really widely adopted here in this space, Rob, kind of goes in, in two kind of critical steps, in my opinion, maybe, maybe three, if you want to use the crawl, walk, run analogy. Yeah, yeah. So the crawl phase is what we, yeah, you know, we, we talked about like research hospitals, 
think about like our, you know, our, our customer, right? MB Anderson. So research hospitals like that, they've, they've got gobs and mountains of data and they've got researchers, they've got scientists, they've got people, data scientists that can actually mine that data and make something meaningful out of it. That's kind of the crawl phase, right? And eventually they'll, ha- they'll be able to implement it in clinical use, right? Um, but a lot of the data is anonymized and we kind of see it, you know, obviously needing to kind of stay that way for many reasons. So that's the crawl phase is like, let's test it out. Can we, do we have something here? The walk phase is kind of, again, where, yes, those hospitals and private organizations, but also the companies, the businesses themselves that are selling AI algorithms, they needed to get through, like, FDA approval. Like, if we do have something, can we get it clinically approved, FDA approved for use? That's huge, but that's not the final kicker to really get it to this boom phase and wide adoption phase. The kicker is, unfortunately, healthcare still needs to make money off of it if you're going to implement it, because it you know, takes costs money to kind of be innovative, right? Because I need to generate revenue. So I want to buy a software. I want to expect revenues to reinvent and, and spin the wheel. So that has happened now. So we're seeing already, Rob, CMS, which is kind of the governing agency that, uh, you know, delivers reimbursement for Medicare, Medicaid, um, does many more things than that. But in short, they are issuing now what we call CPD codes. They're issuing payment reimbursement for these AI algorithms, and that's wild because now you're starting to see, now we need to implement these things, right? Now it's not just us, the big research hospital, you know, the Dukes, the Mayo Clinics, the MD Andersons. You're going to start seeing this widely adopted from large to small, you know, profile agnostic. Um, whatever you are as a hospital, whatever you need help with, maybe in your geography, is there an algorithm for me? What is that going to do, Rob? Like, that, it's a new user, as I said. That new user is generating tons of gobs of, of log files. Um, sure, you may not need to train it every day like the researchers were and are in the crawl phase, right, where Flashlight obviously has a home there too, but we don't know, and, and we're starting to see this now, it's kind of proofing out this point, but we don't necessarily know what impact it's going to have on storage because I'm an, I'm an AI user. I'm going to look at Rob's studies and Mark's because Mark's a similar type of patient makeup to Rob, and now I'm, I'm processing way more data than any human would, and that is going to impact storage. But a lot of people are kind of in the in, in the watch trying to learn how it's going to work. Yeah, it gets back to that and unification, that unification story that we talk about that links really well to to Flashblade. Um, take it take it back full circle as we kind of wrap. I mean, with this new user mm-hmm. and, and the onset of, of the AI and ML and some of these algorithms, are these hospitals and research centers, are they going to be able to get from A to C, I won't even say B, are they going to be able to get there with old tech? Or is this another thing that is causing them to pause and, and look at their IT investments and spe- specifically in the storage space to be able to adopt these, the old tech and the legacy tech isn't going to be able to get there? Is that is that a safe statement? Yeah, that's a safe statement. And I wish it wasn't the truth, but it is. You know, there's a lot of term of shadow IT that happens in this space. It's, yeah. it's, it's, Oftentimes, researchers are saying, hey, I'm going to do some small modeling on my, my localized computer, my edge device, and then all of a sudden, Rob, they go big and they go and buy their own NVIDIA you know, graphics card or they contract with, you know, buy a big DGX1. Then probably you know, IT gets involved, but they forget about storage, right? They forget about all the other pieces because that's not their job. It's the IT's job. But usually, IT is kind of unfortunately a bit of an anchor to them to be able to get their job done. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that... Uh, there are there's a hunger and and that hunger may not exist yet in in, in a grand sense again in the market i think we're a little bit um, going to see that grow that hunger which is 
can we find solutions which are not going to trip us up that are that are future proof enough but proven out already today to show that they're not going to be that anchor and and we're we're doing that with Flashblade we're doing that with our partnership with you know Nvidia for Aerie and we've seen that you know we are the large institutions that are doing the crawl or the crawl mode we talked about their own training they didn't think they were going to have storage issues. There's a last thing on their list, honestly, right? No, the last stop is data. I have the data though, so I'm good. I have a data lake. That's cool. No, it's not because you can't you can't farm it out fast enough. So yeah, yeah. Um, when we're seeing actual impacts there, Rob, it was it, it's impressive, and and that's going to pan out, right? Again, as we talked about the mass adoption, it's definitely going to pay forward, and and that 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 hunger is going to grow for sure for better better IT solutions. Well, it's a great opportunity, and I'm sure it's something that's going to keep you busy. Certainly a lot to talk about in that space. Um, appreciate you coming on. This was super fascinating stuff. I've been wanting to get you on and, and cover this topic. Um, any, anywhere that you would send people to go for more information, and, and who, who, who do you like to talk to? I mean, if there's somebody out there listening, and, and they're going, well, yeah, this, some of this resonates. Um, you know, who, where should they go? Yeah, that's a great question, you know, uh, and thank you for that opportunity. So, you know, Sales Central, you know, love it or leave it, has kind of been the home for us. We've rebuilt and rebranded a lot thanks to our uh, content specialist, Damon Brawley. He's done an amazing job there. And there's a lot of new content that we're putting out in support of all this. You know, as we're finding more and more opportunities and better outcomes with just plugging in Pure, um, we're, we're, we're capitalizing on that. We want to share that message and make sure other customers can experience that. And so we've got case studies. We've got you know, uh, abilities to kind of talk through what vendor supports what or what kind of requires this solution. All of that's on Sales Central. Um, we're also kind of running a series of, uh, you know, educational training videos that are going to be coming out soon internally to make sure that people kind of can understand the impact that we have. Um, and, you know, who to talk to, right? So if anybody else out there is listening that's not appeared in, not, not here at Pure, you know, Talk, ask your radiologist or ask your PACS administrator, yeah. or maybe to bother your, your physicians, right? So, you know, what, is, what would better performance mean to you, but rather what would more reliability mean to you? Um, simplicity. Could you find value in delivering images quicker to your radiologist, to your cardiologist, your physician's fat, you know, more, more, more accurately? You know, if so, and the answer should be yes, um, can you, you know, can, can it be the last investment you make? And if you look at Pure, it will be, right? It'll be the last time you need to invest in this thing called storage. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, that would be the, the area that I would want to have the most impact. And, and it, you know, eventually we'll start talking to your, to your doctors when they have a little bit more time back in their day after they implement pure, right, Rob? So we'll That's give right. them some more time back. We'll start bugging them. So, yep. but no, that, that would be, a, you know, appreciate it. Sales central is a great spot. Also reach out to Eric and I, my teammate, Eric Neistrom is amazing. He's on, he's on, been on board since May, of uh, just, uh, 2020. So, you know, feel free to email us, contact us, call us. We'll, we'll be here. Awesome. Yeah. So for the internal Puritans, you now know where to go to get info. And if you're external out there, either partner or prospect customer, um, check it out as well. There's actually a dedicated web page on purestorage.com around the benefits that we can provide for, uh, for, for enterprise uh, medical imaging. So check that out. Hey, thanks, Mark, for uh, coming on. Let's do it again soon as we see how this new user evolves. All right. I think that's an interesting thing to track. Sounds good. All right. Yeah, absolutely right. We'd be happy to do it. Maybe we won't have to do anything. It'll just be AI talking for us, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm going to be out of a job as soon as they can find something <laughs> that talks the way I do with podcasts, right? Both of us. We're probably not more than, more than three to five years away from that as it is, but uh, hopefully I'll get enough of these in by then. And uh, thank you for coming on the program. And thank you out there for listening to this episode of The Pure Report. Please keep sending your feedback and tell a colleague and we'll keep the great guests like Mark coming on to the program. And with that, we will wrap for Pure Storage. And Mark Dobbs, this is Rob Ludeman saying, don't look back, something might be gaining on you.